0: So, I wanted to leave that vision on its own and give, like, a pretty much, make another episode about everything that was going on pertaining to what's been going on in my life and surrounding that. So, pretty much, like, I've already been saying that I've been fighting demons and, like, there's different witches after me, different war, wizards, warlocks, and sorcerers after me. And, that like, I'm required to pretty much be as perfect as possible to you know, pretty much get out of this and accomplish what it is that God sent set set me out to do. I don't know. I mean, I know for a fact that it's going to happen. He promised me that, but at the same time, you know, I don't know what it's going to take. I think I know I know what it's going to take. See, what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't know if I'll ultimately end up accomplishing it that way. But all I know is that um, I don't know if I'm going to do it. And I know that, you know... In the vision, when I I was given this vision by God, he kind of was not playing. And I think that he was over, like, catering to my feelings and catering to how I felt about it. Because I was feeling like, why is that not being taken into consideration how I feel about it? And he's kind of, like, reconfirming, like, that's not a mistake. I'm not taking into consideration how you feel about it. And this is not to contribute to what I was doing before this honestly just because like this is what what it was but once I felt it once I felt the vision how it made me feel all I know is that you know immediately after the vision because I was about like I had visions like this before and it made me get up and worship God it made me get up and worship him and it made me get up and fast and it made me get up and do what was needed what was what I was supposed to do and this is what got progress this is what got demons off of me this is what you know got me like where I at, where I am now and you know, immediately once I start getting that feeling again, like that like, that that got me up in the first place, you know, this witch, she she came in, and all I know is with everything she had, try to, you know, take the whole vision, like try to use everything in her power to take the whole vision. Because she did not want me to start worshiping and doing what I was doing before in order to ultimately kill her. Because that's what's going to happen. That's what they keep telling me every single day. Like, if you accomplish what it is that God has set you out to do, you're going to kill this witch. And you have to. Because there's no other way she you're going to be able to get rid of her. She's going to stay around because she thinks it's a game. I don't even know if she thinks it's a game. I know she don't think it's a game. The no way that she ran in and take that vision the way she ran and take that vision was, like, life or death, like, I I have to, I need to, I, like, she was, like, how do I explain it, she was, like, no, like, like, screaming, crying, like, just, I don't know how to really explain it, but, like, it was, like, she, it's, it, it was, she used everything she had, and she's been doing that a lot, so, like, that was, like, her using everything, everything she's got to try and take that from me. And she ultimately, you know, was able to shake it a little bit, but she didn't take it from me. She didn't take it from me. And um, I got up and prayed about it. I think that, you know, if she never touched it at all, it probably would have lingered a lot longer. But like I said, I still remember it. And, you know, the feeling, though, the feeling that it gave me, that is a little bit gone, like, but it's not fully gone. I know that I could really still access it. I think that it's more so me not really wanting to. That's the only reason that I feel like she was able to accomplish that. I kind of don't want to feel that because when I feel that, like, it just feels like it's it's horrifying. It's really horrifying and the point where, to the point where it's like, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't do nothing. Maybe that's best because right now I'm eating, sleeping, and whatever I do is in captivity of these witches and these demons. So that's probably the best for me. And obviously she knows that if I have that feeling and it won't go away, that she's going to die. Because I'm not going to, that, that feeling is going to motivate me to not play. And I know somebody might be listening saying, well, then you know what you need to do. Like, it don't make sense that you're wasting time. But it's like, like I said, like, that was super scary. It was super scary. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm letting this stuff kind of fold me. It's just like, when you've been doing this, when you've been battling this for, like, going on two years straight, you get tired. And that's just what it is. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm giving up. But what I'm saying is, like. We'll see what happens because I'm not trying to, like, that's, this is the attitude I didn't want to have because I feel like this is the attitude God is saying I don't care about. And you don't want to be on the other side of that. So I didn't want to, I'm trying to shake this and say, like, don't matter. None of it matters. I just need to do what I need to do. But why am I the only, okay, I'm, I'm going to shake that, but still... Regardless, you know, I know everything, I know what's going on, I know what's at stake. and I think that's a lot of, all of this contributes to why he is not catering to that, to exhaustion, doesn't matter, you know, hurt feelings, it doesn't matter. Torture, doesn't matter, torment, doesn't matter. All of this is way better than the position you could be in. And I think that's the whole idea. Ultimately, though. Like he said, I will accomplish this. I am going to do it. But I think when he said I am going to do it, and I will accomplish this, it has a lot to do with the fact that um I'm gonna have to. Stop making excuses. I'm gonna have to stop playing. I'm gonna have to get up, and I'm gonna have to do it. That's the only way I'm going to accomplish it. Otherwise, it's gonna get worse. But um, I guess we'll see what happens. Cause honestly, something is telling me something in my spirit, and I don't know how to, if I can believe anything besides you know that because. That is real. That's what feels the most real. Something in my spirit is telling me that. You know. They, they're they confident. Like people. Way too many people like to see me in this position. Way too many people want to see me. You know. In this position. And it's not because. It's not fully because they support me. And want, want the best for me. And want me out of it. It's just satisfying to see me begging or crawling or sad because they're jealous. They're jealous of my power. They're jealous of... And honestly, I'm not saying my power, like, you know, I'm just so big and I'm so great. No, they're really just jealous of me. And that's what it is. And you might say, like, no, no, you know. But the, thing of, the fact of the matter is, if it was anybody else or if it was somebody else, they wouldn't care as much. It wouldn't be as satisfying, you know, to see me in this position. And I hate to sound like that again, but... You know, even God does because he wants me to be humbled. But one thing I also want to point out is that I was given a choice in this entire situation. I was given a choice. It's not I'm not it's not against my free will. I was given a choice and obviously I know how God works. So the choices that I make do ultimately determine the outcome of the situation. So it's not like, you know, if I don't do it, it doesn't matter what I do, it's going to happen. But also at the same time, I remember after whatever it was that I, that happened. I remember that, um. well, I know what happened. But after what happened, God was like, you know, I knew she would. I knew she would do it. So that kind of implies that, I, you know, I could have not done it. I could have not done it. And if I hadn't done it, I still would have been okay because I remember him saying that. He said, you know, whether she did it or not, she didn't have to do it. But I'm so glad that she did. That's what he said. So, I'm not saying I'm getting anything extra, no extra points or nothing for what I did. But what I'm saying is that, you know, if I hadn't done it, I still would have been okay. So, uh, another thing that I realized is that a lot of different people are, you know, they like to bask in my, they like to bask in in my failures. They like to bask in it. They like to bathe in it. Like, that makes me feel so good to hear you talking about any type of thing you fail at i love it so much it makes me feel bigger and better about myself like i I get that so much from everybody and it it makes me realize and i I don't even like to talk about it because i noticed that god is like why do you think that is because you're winning why would they be basking in your failure so much if if you're not winning if you're just a failure you know then they should be used to it if you're just a failure then why do they act like every single time you fail it's, you know, a new thing and the fact of the matter is ultimately you're still not failing I think it's more so like um, pretty much it goes like this people are jealous people are jealous of your anointing, they're jealous of your power they're jealous of who you are to God they're jealous of the position that you're in. They're jealous of who you are, period. And so anytime you talk about anything negative or anything that's bad about your life or anything that's going on bad, they love it. Because they feel like your life is already so good. Otherwise, why would they love that so much? Why do they need that? And somebody else might be saying, oh, no, actually, it's just good to see such such such. I just love to see it, such and such and such. Yeah, that will still... Now I'm going to tell you how that looks because for you to just love to see somebody else fail is just a indication that you already failing. And you have to see somebody else fail because that that's the only way you feel better about failing in your own life. But still it don't matter because it's not about nobody else. And I feel like God is saying that like, You don't want to make this about somebody else and keep talking about what other people are doing, because it's kind of indication that, you know, you insecure about what's gonna happen in your own life, and that's that's the fact. The fact of the matter is that I don't want to make it seem like I'm insecure about my outcome. I know what my outcome's gonna be. I know how that's how that is. But and they do too. Why you think they're they're always trying to provoke me? They're not even trying to provoke me. They're always so happy at my failures. They're always so happy at my doubting myself or less confidence in the different things that I'm capable of that I can do that I will do why do you always feel like why do you see why? why do you see that they hang around a little more and they bask in it a little more than your wins and they never want to mention the wins as much they they went they want to mention the losses they never want to hang around as much for the wins and they hang around as much for the failures or the negatives and it's like this only confirms that for that for for another reason for i mean for example there's this person on youtube that i feel like god brought her page across to me when i'm on her page like i can when i watch her videos i'm like you know this is very peaceful to be in your presence i really appreciate that but to be in this person's presence requires you know not being fully powerful as fully as powerful as i am because it intimidates this person and I can tell it does, and and so like I try and you know I don't I don't ever try I'm not trying to fit in but I try and just like be cordial with this person because I feel like they are anointed by God and the different different words that they have are from God so I try to be cordial with this person because I'm like that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to get along despite our differences, but this person is like. And I don't want to talk about this person badly, but this person is like, I feel like super intimidated by me, like a lot of people are super intimidated by me. And I just I'd, I'd be wondering, i just say to myself, like, wow, look at this anointing on your page. Look at this anointing on your videos. Look at this anointing in your prophetic words. Look at this anointing in your life. Why do you allow me to intimidate you? Why? I don't get it. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. But I do. And I'm not saying I don't understand it to try and be, you know, spiteful or honoree. I'm saying I don't understand it because it's still, like, it's, I know why. It's because I'm given such a, a much bigger assignment. I'm given such a much more important, you know, position. I'm given much more of a responsibility than you, and you can see it, but you you won't admit it. You don't want to admit it because it hurts to realize that. Because you know that God is truth. God is the truth, and if you know that you you can see this in God, you know it's not a lie, and you can't admit it because you don't want to. You you don't want to admit it because. The truth hurts. That's what it is. Truth hurts because I, I've seen this with a lot of people. I don't care what nobody say. If it came down to, I would have no friends if I if I was honest about every single person I see this in. And this is a fact because, you know, either some are intimidated by it, others are, are um, you know, some are intimidated, others are. I mean, they're all intimidated, but they all have different ways of showing their intimidation. And ultimately, it all comes down to everybody is deliberately ignoring certain parts and certain certain portions. And that's that's a fact, even me included, with certain people, with certain things. I deliberately ignore certain things because it's, it's frustrating. The truth hurts. Like, in all honesty, for certain people where I feel like, you know, why do, you know all these people support you but all these people hate on me i know you have haters too but everybody it seems like you got all these people who come and they're like yes this is i love this i want to acknowledge your anointing i want to acknowledge who you are and you did you're this you're that you're great but then when it comes to me everybody's like they get intimidated they get attacked their own their own ego is attacked and they wants to they they in turn start attacking me or basking in my failures and it just it just like they're rooting for me to lose. That's what it is. They act like they want me to win, but they're so happy when I lose. It's like with a smirk on their face when I lose. And that's simply what it is. But this specific person, I'm going to be honest. The real reason I feel like it is is because I know that Jesus is black. And I know that this Jesus wife thing is real. And you would be surprised how people are acting. You'd be surprised how how women are acting that are supposed to be Jesus' wife or in the, in in the competition contenders to be Jesus' wife. Excuse me. It's all different kind of women: white women, Asian women, black women, uh, Arab women, all kinds of different women from all different parts of the globe, and they're all contenders to be his wife. And like I feel like they all get intimidated once I am like introduced but it's so many of them I was like shouldn't they already know but I guess it's like it's a disconnect in like the actual identity of the people you kind of just know them by their spirit or their fruit and that's kind of what it is and honestly I feel like I'm getting attacked because of jealousy for that and knowing what's really going on in my assignment it's so much bigger than being just a contender for Jesus' wife it's about waking up the people. It's about a reborn covenant. It's about, you know, us as black people in America and all over the world finding out that we are the true Israelites. It's about us being restored. It's about the real. And that's what provoked the jealousy. Whenever I started talking about that, no, whenever I'm start, I started being serious about that, So that being said, you know, I have to take responsibility that I'm not always serious about it and why would I not be serious about something so serious? But um, All I can say is I'm only one person, I'm trying. And God don't make mistakes. So if he chose me and chose me for this, even despite all my mistakes and me not getting it right, most likely one day I am. One day, I'm going to get it right, and I'm going to figure it out. And if any of this is wrong in the process, I guess that's the point of this, learning from it. So, um, I guess we'll see going forward what ends up happening and how everything works out. I do have faith in God, and I do trust what's going to happen. I do trust and have faith in God. I do feel like everything is going to work out for me no matter what. He's no, There's no way he would not let everything work out for me. Like, he's God. But if we're made perfect in his image, that means he feels a lot of the same emotions and feelings we feel. But God is not a man. Jesus was, though. Or is, though. When he wants to be. I guess. I don't know how to explain that. But. Um, another thing I want to talk about really quick, it's so confusing to me how these different contenders to be his wife see him in as different races. Why don't they see him as the race that he used to wake me up out of my slumber? When Jesus showed up, he showed up black and he woke me up out of my slumber and a lot of other people as well. So I don't understand how some of these wives, supposed to be wives, which I know that they actually do have this anointing because of stuff that they're talking about. I'm like, yes, that's God talking to you. Yes, it is. He said it's like either he says the same thing to me or that's reflective of his character and things he would say. And I know that he's talking to them. I know that he is. But they still think he's white. Like one of them. They have a white, blue-eyed Jesus as their profile picture, and they they try to avoid every every you know. They will post stuff about black people being in the kingdom. They will post stuff about black people being part of, you know, you know prophecies, etc. Different, different prophetic words, but they will never admit God is black. Never. And I'm like, how are you even in a contending if you don't know that God is black? So it's confusing to me because it's like he's still considering these as them as wives, even though they don't they don't know that he's not that he's black. He's not white with blue eyes. And that's the Jesus that they have fallen in love with. So it's like, what would how would they feel if they knew you were black? Would they still would they still be as committed to God? Would they still be as committed to their lifestyle praising jesus if they knew he was black or would they you know go ahead and keep praising that white jesus despite what they know and say that's you know that's a lie of the devil jesus is not black would they you know because i wonder because what does that mean because if i know that god allows it but still it's like I don't know. I think it's way, way, way less people actually going to heaven. it saying like, many are called, but few are chosen. And I feel like a lot of people, they're ignoring, they're deliberately ignoring the fact that he's, all the truth is pointing to he's a black man. And the, Israel, the Israelites are black people, the black people that, you know, you don't necessarily think so highly of. You know, and I don't know what to say. Maybe you're not completely racist, but you're definitely not aware. And if you are aware then and you're deliberately ignoring it, then you're that's a problem. That's a complete problem. We all have different issues. None of us are perfect. We all need to work on things, but I just don't see it. How can you, you know, reject him as being black? That's what he is. But more than anything, how come this is the person he's talking to this the person you anointed and gave a prophetic word a person that's deliberately ignoring the fact that you're a black man like jesus is was a black man that's a fact i don't care what nobody say it's in the bible and i even saw a video recently where they try to portray you know how you know somebody who's middle eastern looking could have looked the way that they look but had the curly hair like sheep wool that the Bible states. And, uh, you know, that's all that they really show because they, the skin wasn't the color of brass. I mean, whatever brass they feel like they can find is that like I've never seen brass that, that color. Brass looks like more like my skin. Or I've seen it darker as well. But never that color that they always portray Jesus as. Never seen brass that color. But actually I have seen Middle Eastern people with the skin the color of brass. Yes, I have. But the fact of the matter is you have to look at science too. Like I don't know if, if people automatically associate science with God, but every single race on this earth came from a black woman's womb and only a black woman's womb could have ever you know, produced every race that's on this earth. And that's a fact, a proven fact. That even scientists who don't necessarily believe in God are actually admitting. So I don't understand how they're still portraying Jesus as a white man with blue eyes. When they know that Adam and Eve was black. First of all, the scripture says that he, 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 he built the first man, Adam, from the dirt. And what is dirt? Is dirt light skin. I mean, not light skin. Is dirt white? Have you ever seen white dirt? So... It's so weird. It's really so weird and questionable. But I think that ultimately everybody is deliberately ignoring it. But I knew that. I've been knew that. And I guess that's part of my responsibility. Because if I were doing what I was supposed to be doing, they wouldn't be able to. So I think that's more of a provocation from God. Like, okay, so you want to keep continuing going on in a way that you're going on, expecting things to be okay and I've shown you what I've shown you. How can you go back? How can you go back? How can you ignore what I've shown you? How can you pretend it never, you know, happened or existed? And all I can say is I'm trying. So I hope I don't let anybody down. I hope that I can accomplish what it is I'm anointed for. And I guess we'll see what ultimately ends up happening. God is not a liar he doesn't break promises, and he made me a promise and so honestly if that if if that were ever not going to be true, I wouldn't even be where I am now, and that's a fact, so I can't give up now, but I do want to make this clear i I don't judge people by the skin the color of their skin. I don't judge people by the color of their skin. You know, I love everybody. I want everybody to make it. I want everybody to go to heaven. Everybody, but not the way they are now. No. I don't even want myself to go the way I am now. Honestly. I mean, I I feel like maybe I'll be better by the time I get there. Anybody, everybody's made whole in God's presence. That's a fact. But, you know, I do want to change for God. That's why I'm working. That's why I'm doing the work. But that being said, you know, Jesus is black. So, like I told you, I'm, I'm not judging anybody by the color of their skin. You know, it's it's not because you're black or because you're not black. It's not an indication of whether God loves you or not. But I do know that Jesus was, is black. I keep saying was, Jesus is alive. Jesus is black. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't see him as that, if you don't portray him, not, if you don't see him as that, whatever, you know, I ain't see him. I didn't know he was black until I was until I turned twenty three years old. I didn't know he was black for twenty three years, even though I knew in the spirit. I just didn't know consciously, because I was veiled. That's part of the veiling on our minds that that's spoken about in, um, I believe, it's Isaiah. That's part of the veils in our minds that Moses speaks about in the Exodus. So that being said, you know, I didn't know. And I think that anybody who is deliberately ignoring it, either you really don't know, and I get a benefit of doubt for that, or you're contributing to us remaining veiled because you don't want us to walk in our full power. And that's a mighty accusation to make, but that's what I feel like the Holy Spirit is compelling me. It's it's kind of like, it's like the Holy Spirit is bringing me to that conclusion. Like most people, they don't even want you to. They don't want Jesus to be black, so they're going to see him as whatever color that they want. And Jesus is okay with that ultimately, because you know he's not fully okay with that, but he's okay with them seeing them seeing him as the, their color, the same color that they are, because he is. He's all colors ultimately. But I know that when he was here on this earth. Excuse me. When Jesus walked this earth, he was a black man. And that's a fact. And anybody tell me that that that's not true, you know, I have to question your real relationship with God. Are you really in a relationship with God? Are you truly genuinely seeking God, not for your own, you know, selfish reasons? Because I feel like if you were... Then he would admit that. I mean, he would tell you that. Not admit that. And you would admit that. He would tell you that. He would show you he's black. And um, if anything, though, like, like I said, I feel like that's pathetic for me to even, you know, say anything to them about that. Because at the end of the day, what does that change? Me telling them not. The only change is gonna happen when we start walking in that and we start realizing who we are and we start doing what's 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 needed when we start doing what's what we're supposed to do that's the only time that changes it, us going around telling everybody Jesus is black and you know it it's not going to change nothing. We have to know it and walk in it and act like the true Israelites that we are, otherwise, what does it matter how to how they portray jesus we're not doing what we 're supposed to do, and that's part of the curse for not keeping the promises and not keeping our covenant with God and we know that and I know that they love to they love to talk about that and they're gonna be able to as long as we're not keeping our promise and that's the fact and I'm not exempting myself from it like I said we so I'm working on that okay so I know I talked about this before but I just watched a video on somebody who also had an Adam and Eve vision or encounter with God. (laughs) Excuse me. This does not, by any means, you know, say that everything that I encounter with God is absolutely true. But this encounter that this person had is kind of, to me, um, evidence that, you know... Or just more confirmation that these encounters do exist. And that makes me feel like, you know, it doesn't make me feel like that's already new, but it kind of confirms that I, that what the encounter I had was actually real. And I know that it was. And everything, I know that everything that happened, everything that was told to me actually was true because I don't just go for anything. But also at the same time, I still do um, exercise discernment only because. The devil is so conniving, but at the same time, I realized that God told me on many different occasions, like, you're giving the devil credit, and it's really me. And I know I don't want to, like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say you said that, but you know, a lot of times it's because you don't want to accept that I am saying these things, and it's you know, not because you don't want to accept the truth it's about you believing in my character it's not reflective of the different things that you're hearing and you know maybe that just means that you need to understand my character better and get to know me better and this is true in so many different times it's been so true but the different things that I have encountered I've really felt like what like you know I don't want to sound like that person I don't want to sound like that guy and I've already been through that phase of my life where I have you know consider satan's side of things i don't uh, it sounds so icky even saying that because like it sounds my skin crawls but like like i've considered what satan had to say and whether he had an actual case or not and like some i did i never really cared i'm not gonna say i never cared i just i guess that i felt like satan should have a i should consider whatever it was that satan said not she have a he should have a fair case and i don't really feel that way but you know anybody should have a fair case but nah not really but you know not for I ain't going to say what I'm going to say is that I never really felt that strongly about his case but what I felt was that God if God if you never can doubt God then you don't doubt, you don't doubt God that does, that God never makes a mistake and that God knows everything and that he's perfect in everything that he does so if you don't question you know what Satan did then you then you would be not you would not be trusting God 100% because you have to understand that God made Satan. And when he made Satan, he made him with everything that, everything that Satan was going to ever possibly do. God knew that he was going to do it and he still made him. And that being said, that means that there should be... there. I don't know if there's any validity to anything that any of the accusations Satan was making because God also made evil. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, regardless of anything, when God made Satan he knew everything well I said already he knew everything he was going to do he understood everything he was going to do and he felt that it was necessary and that's the point of it even if it's not necessarily what we feel like should have happened or anything that we feel like like we question why God would ever you know make the garden of Eden put Adam and Eve in it and put that tree there if they were ultimately going to bite it and God knew everything and the fact of the even though God had hope for us and hope for a better future for us and did not want us to bite the apple and wanted us to be obedient, the fact of the matter is is that everything that he does is necessary. Even that's not doubting that God didn't know what was gonna happen, because some would say, Well then that means that God didn't know that they were gonna bite the apple. Yeah, he knows everything. He really does. But at the same time and also there's a there's a there's a complicated, not complicated, but there's like a elevated understanding to that as well when you understand that god knows everything you have to understand he knows all the possibilities as well which means so he knows that you know if it went this way it could go this way if it went that way it can go that way and there's so many different possibilities at all times and they change by the second with every single thought with every single action with every single thing that we do on a daily basis these possibilities change the future and God knows all the possibilities of all futures and granted he's organized he's perfect he knows how to handle it he knows how to maneuver it but still that you have to understand that he's hoping for the best possibility of the best future for each and every single last one of us at all times but that doesn't eliminate the possibility of the worst futures that we choose on a daily basis with the free will he gave us that's how free will kind of works because of free will we have the choice of good we have the choice of bad and that means there'll always be a possibility for both so if you're a good person and you choose good, then that means that you're going down this road. That's that's possibility. But if you're a good person and one day you wake up, you don't just one day wake up, but ultimately you decide to be a bad person and you start going down that road, then you take that possibility and you go to the left. That's why even though God wants the best for us at all times, there's always a possibility that it doesn't happen for us. There's always a possibility that we don't ultimately get it. But at the same time, you have to understand that he's God. So that being said, even though Adam and Eve weren't ultimately able to stay in the garden garden of Eden, Eden forever and be immortal and live for eternity there in eternal happiness, ultimately God sent Jesus to restore us and you know God sent Jesus to give us a new future and to kind of like what am I trying to say? To rebirth, reborn, re yeah, We're reborn through Jesus. So now since even though Adam and Eve kind of messed it up for everyone, Jesus came. And so now we have the future that he promised in Revelations, which means that everything is going to be okay again. One day. And that's how possibilities work that's kind of how it works so ultimately every single time God sent a prophet down to us he had the hopes that we would accept that prophet with open arms and obey God and change our lives around and do what we were supposed to do when he made that promise to Israel he had the prom he had the the hopes for us that we would ultimately keep our promise to him and be his chosen people and you know abide with him as close as we was directly and just rule over all the other nations and exert our power and authority that he blessed us with through him. As long as we submitted to him and accepted him as our one and truly God, I mean, one, one and only true God and did not worship any other gods. But ultimately, each and every single time we took the other route, each and every single time we always Decided to be our own guys we always decided to do things our own way we always decided to be disobedient and that's why we end up with the other half of the possibility the other route the other lane the other path and so that being said that's how i ultimately fought off the not even fought off but came to the understanding of why satan was still wrong Because at the end of the day, even though God made him and God made him perfect and God made him without mistake. At the same time, Satan had a choice, just like we do every single day and Satan made his choice. And so that is not you don't blame God for that. Of course, you you could at the end of the day, you say God is in full control of everything. But no, you don't blame God for that because you don't blame him for, you know, disobedience if you if satan had been obedient it would have never went that way it would have never worked out like that and it's not god's fault that he gave us free will because if we did not have free will we would be complaining about not being able to choose for ourselves so we have to understand that with the free will god gave us there's a possibility of things going sour things going wrong and that being said that ultimately means that he can't be blamed because he told us what to do he gave us the doctrine he he he's always with us abiding with us and being you know hopeful for us and loving us and regardless unconditionally of all of our regardless of our sins and mistakes and wanting the best for us at all times but we always decide that we know better than him We always go and do things on our own without him, and that's not his fault. And the fact of the matter is, when you understand that God is without fault, he's perfect, and we're not. He's 100% unconditional in his love and perfect in all his judgments, and we're not. When you understand that, then you understand that he's always right, and we're always wrong when we are not doing what he said to do when we're being disobedient we're always wrong so we cannot blame him for the consequences of what happens when we don't do what he said just like if you tell somebody okay if you go over here you're gonna fall in this pit if you go over there you're gonna be okay but they go over here and they fall in this pit and then they try and blame you as if you did not just tell them to go the other way would you still would you feel like that was your fault didn't you tell them didn't you warn them didn't you didn't you give them a full briefing, instructions, specific, perfect, no nothing else? You know, you never misled them, you didn't lie, you told them the truth, and you were very concerned and loving and wanted the best for them, anyways. You wanted them to go down the right path. It's not their fault. I mean, it's not your fault when they go down the wrong one, anyways, because that's their choice. And if it and if you wanted to blame God, then you would have to say that then he shouldn't give us a choice at all because obviously we can't handle having a choice. And if that is the case, then you know what to do. Take away your own choice. Give your choice to God. That being said, God is always graceful, merciful, forgiving, and understanding by being, you know, so patient with us. After giving us free will and allowing us to choose for ourselves, which he did not have to do, He did anyways because that's the God he is. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want robots. He wants us to choose for ourselves. So in him being that gracious and merciful. And giving us that choice. You have to understand that. It hurts him every single time we don't make the right one. Every single time. And he is not to blame for that. But he still loves us anyways even if we do. That's just how gracious he is. But. That being said, um, I said all that to say that, ultimately, I remember um, in the Adam and Eve encounter, there was this, like, talk about, you know, and it's kind of funny, but, like, I'm really not trying to ruin this word I just said. But at the same time, this is, like, also something I felt that I wanted to talk about. But in the Adam and Eve encounter... And I'm going to be completely honest about everything. In the Adam and Eve encounter, there was this... There was something that was said that Eve has a crush on Jesus. So Adam is very, very handsome. Adam is very, very built. He's very gorgeous. He was the first man to ever exist. I said that in a previous episode about the Adam and Eve Encounter an Adam and Eve vision, or what you know what Adam and, what God showed me about Adam and Eve and showed me them in the Garden of Eden. I said that Adam was super super gorgeous. I couldn't take my eyes off of him, but it wasn't lustful. And Eve was also very, very, very beautiful, very, very rich in beauty. Both of them, the difference was Eve longed for more, Eve wanted a deeper understanding. Adam, even though you know he he bit the apple ultimately he would have lived in the garden of eden forever for eternity happily he probably would have never you know got tired of being there he would have never thought to himself hey you know what's el- what else is out there because it was enough for him it was more than enough for him he was happy he was he was more than content he was he was happy where he was but eve longed for more she longed for a deeper understanding And oftentimes you would wander around a garden longing for a deeper understanding. And don't quote me word for word, but this is pretty much the sum of everything. And so the serpent, which was Satan ultimately, actually worked on Eve for upwards to a week. It probably could have been longer, but I'm pretty sure it was like a week And somebody will say, well, you would need longer for me. But I'm telling you that the serpent was very conniving, he was very evil. And at this time, evil did not exist outside of him. So you need to understand that God was not lying to them. He was being truthful with them. He was being honest with them. Everything he said to them, they had no reason to ever doubt that it was not true or that it was not uh, out of love and it wasn't the best for them. So imagine a serpent coming and he's introducing, oh, guess what? Everything I'm saying is not the best for you. Everything I'm saying is not good for you. Everything I'm saying is not what you're actually supposed to be doing. And you, don't have, you do have a reason to doubt everything I'm saying. He's introducing nefariousness and, connive, and being conniving. And God never did that with them. So you have to understand, put yourself in Eve's shoes. You've never, like, you don't even know what a lie is. If somebody tells you something, you have no reason to doubt that it's the truth. Imagine being like, wait, so you lied? And you don't even know what to call it. Like, you told me something and that wasn't actually so? Who does that? That's never happened to me. It's never happened to anyone. And that was the first time that ever happened to anyone. So, you know, even though God actually said to me Eve was not super, super smart, she wasn't super super dumb either she knew what she was doing she ultimately the serpent told her that she would have a deeper understanding a deeper understanding that she subconsciously longed for and not even really subconsciously she just longed for it and ultimately that would require her making that decision for herself and outside of god and she knew what she was doing she did but also she didn't so the fact of the matter is he told her all the good and not the bad He didn't tell her the bad was you disobey God and in disobeying God that, you know, comes with consequences. You don't know what your consequences will be. Ultimately, without God, you are doomed. He didn't tell her that. And you could say that, whatever, I still wouldn't have listened. And you might be right because God actually told me that I wouldn't have done what she did. But still... Whether you would have done what she did or wouldn't have done what she did, we don't need to judge each other. We don't need to judge people because what we need to understand is that we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And any makes any mistake that you've ever made in your life, you can compare it to the mistake Eve made. Even though hers was royal and hers was kind of, you know, setting the stage for mistakes where everyone in a whole entire, you know, universe to exist after that would have been subject to her mistakes that's a big burden to carry imagine being one person making one mistake and every single person after you has to pay for it so actually you got it off easy with your mistake because who it doesn't matter how many people it affected it never affected as many people as Eve's mistake Eve's mistake affected so we cannot be so quick to judge her because even though we're upset that we're all affected by her mistake, imagine carrying that. Imagine being responsible for that. And that's just too much. So God loves her anyways, and she's in heaven. But yes, sometimes he does send her to hell when she's disobedient because Eve talks back. She has an, I not want to say an attitude, but yes, she has an attitude. Now Adam, he gets checked whenever he gets, he, he's about to talk back. And with Adam, he knows when to be quiet. So Adam is always like, you know, I can sense that this is escalating. Let me, uh, let me be quiet. And then guys like, that's what I thought. So with Eve, she's like, I don't care about that, and that's why she gets sent to hell. But I don't know. I don't want to make it seem like that. This little, this stuff matters. It does matter because He showed me it. But still, this is less important than the ultimate understanding he, he brought me to, which is that first of all, we don't need to judge Eve as if. We if put if placed in her position, we would be so perfect and would have done everything we were supposed to do. Because if that were the case, you never made a mistake in your life. You're perfect. There's no you're you are without mistake, and that's the fact. Now, ultimately, God decides, and He's the judge of who would have done that and who wouldn't have done that. Place in that position, but that doesn't really ultimately sum anything up, really, because then that means you know, go off and be perfect now. Never make another mistake in your life if that's the case. That's just like Jesus when he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's simply just that. But that's not me ultimately just completely defending her and voiding her of all responsibility because she did know what she was doing. She was aware of the choice that she was making. She was aware that she was disobeying God. She wasn't like a toddler like I originally thought. I originally thought like she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know, you know, her right from her wrong. And she still knew that she wasn't supposed to disobey God. And she still knew that in disobeying God, she was going to pretty much be her own God. Not be her own God, but she was going to be able to make decisions on her own without him. And he had never given her any reason to make to feel like the decisions he made for her weren't the best. So she knew what she was doing. And Adam, as far as Adam goes, he knew that he was disobeying God too. But Adam was not, and I'm not trying to be funny or trying to make this an excuse, he was not as smart as Eve. In terms of like Adam, like he would have been happy in the Garden of Eden forever. He would have never wanted to be anywhere else. He would have been happy obeying God for the rest of eternity. And if it really weren't for Eve, he that's what he would have been doing regardless of anything he still did what he did he still bit the apple that's that that does not completely void him of responsibility but you have to take into a you have to take into account that eve is more responsible in this situation she definitely is but you also have to take into account it wasn't just one conversation the serpent didn't sneak up on her like hey eve how you doing today go bite the apple no no The serpent stayed on her for like a week. He visited her in different parts of the, you know, the garden. I don't know if it was different parts. I don't want to add my own pizzazz to it. But I believe it was different parts of the garden. But he he visited her for at least a week on different occasions. And he he worked on her. He worked on her. And, And remember, she doesn't know what lying is. She doesn't know that evil exists. She doesn't know right from wrong. And he's working on her and he's evil and he's conniving. And imagine being, you know, completely innocent and pure and thinking that who would ever come and tell me something that isn't for, the, for my best, for, out for my best interest? Who would, come, who would ever come and tell me all the good and leave out all the bad? Who would ever come and tell me something that they knew was the, for, to the detriment of me and God's plans, but tell me that it's actually the best thing for me? She never considered that. She wasn't able to. Now you, you know that that exists You grew up in a world Having to discern your way through that You grew up in a world Knowing that that is something You have to discern your way through And even though at one point you didn't know That that type of stuff existed And you had to find out quickly Maybe from a mistake or maybe from learning the hard way Regardless That's what happened to her And it was the, she was the first person it ever happened to So you have to understand that and that's and also I do want to be clear after saying all that, you know, still Eve has a hard time taking responsibility for what she did. She knows what she did. I'm not going to say that. She knows what she did. She took responsibility for it. But at the same time, she still she still has smart remarks, attitude, and she still kind of argues with God about it. And that gets her sent to hell. Like, if you're in heaven, you could be in heaven and you get sent to hell for, like, on, for like a punishment. For, like, however long he feels like leaving you there. And hell is not a vacation. So, that happens to Eve, but it doesn't happen to Adam. You might say, that sounds misogynistic, but you need to understand that God is not misogynistic. There is no evil or fault found in God. God is good. God is great. God is love. Period. So, if he does anything like that, that's reflective of you and not him. Period. So that being said, you have to understand what kind of character she has. That's kind of her character. She does rebel against God. And that's her fault. But we all have faults. So this is not to sit around, oh, I'm better than Eve, I'm this, I'm that. No. You know, regardless if you are or aren't, it doesn't matter. And regardless, you know, God still loves her. She's still in heaven with God even after what she did, and I know a lot of people might be mad at that. Like, what? So, so many people going to hell because of what she did, and she's in heaven. Yes, because we still have choices every day, just like she did, and that's the fact that it matter. And this, I after watching this in, this vi- this video about this encounter, somebody she said that God said that He would have forgiven them if they just had repented, and He didn't, you know say that to me but he didn't say everything to me that's why you know the bible says we prophesy in part and we have to put it together to get the full prophecy but ultimately I do believe that I do believe that and so that being taken into consideration I feel like well then she's wrong and that's probably why I wouldn't have done what she did because you know He said I wouldn't have done it. But even if I had done it, you know, I would have said sorry. I would have been like, you're right, God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. So I kind of get that. Now I kind of get it. I do get it. And so that's, I feel better getting a better understanding on that because my whole life I questioned that whole encounter. Not really. I mean, ultimately, you know. I love God so much like I don't I know that he's love and I feel like you know he's he's right if it's something I need to understand better then I just need to study more and I'll be brought to that understanding that's simply what it is and if it's anything I'm doubting yes I might be frustrated right now or, or I may be you know I may not understand what's going on right now but ultimately it comes down to the fact that later on You know, he'll he'll bring me to a better understanding. He'll help me understand it. And even if he doesn't, I still can trust his advice. I can trust his word on it. I can trust his judgment on it. Yes, I can trust him. He's the only person... Well, not person. He's the only one I can trust. Period. So, I won't say that, honestly. Like, God is telling me, like, don't say that. You can trust other people. I'll, I'll bring you around the people you can trust. But, um... He's the only one I know that whatever he says is perfect, it's never wrong, and there's no fault found in it. He makes no mistakes. He's the only one I know exists like that. That I know that exists like that. So, that being said, you know, when he says something, it's like, you know, even if it's hard for me to accept, I'll take my time and, you know, mourning my feelings and feel, being in my feelings or whatever. But ultimately, I'll be like, that's what it is, though. It's what he said. Because I know that I don't know everything. I know that I may not understand everything. And I know that if there's anybody wrong on a table between me and God, it's me. Period. God is the common denominator, meaning he is, you know, ever present, always there. And don't quote me about math, I know sometimes the denominator change. Well, like I said, common denominator. Anyways, that being said, God is always right. Always, 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 always right. So, when it came down to the Adam and Eve situation, I, I spent my time upset about that. And I even spent my time questioning, you know, whether God really ever even wanted us to prosper because we didn't but I ultimately never doubted that he loves us and he he loves us so much I say ultimately because I kind of did but I really ultimately just didn't because I didn't you know I didn't leave from him I didn't leave him I didn't say you know somebody else loves me more no so, um, that being said, uh, another thing, I I don't want to sound messy, but another thing I realized is that um, Eve has a crush on Jesus. And Jesus does not like her like that. And I know it sounds super messy, but this is not love and hip-hop. Like, they have real feelings, real emotions. They're human just like we are. So we can't see them as the super, like they're exempt from the different things we go through. And we have to understand we're made perfect in God's image. So the different things that we actually do as humans, even though we pervert and distort the different things that we do, they're, they originated from God and God does it right. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Eve has a crush on Jesus and this is what was told to me. Eve has a crush on Jesus, and Jesus doesn't like her like that because he doesn't think she's super smart. He doesn't think she's that smart, but she definitely knew what she was doing. But also, there was also this, like, I feel like the angels were telling me, like, they actually do be, like, talking. And I, (laughs) sorry, I hate to sound like that person where it's like I'm gossiping. I'm not. This is what was told to me. This is what was revealed to me, and if it weren't true, if it weren't, you know, if it were gospel or something of that nature, then I don't feel like it would have been a factor. But a lot of different things were shown to me, like their beauty, the different ways that they looked, and the different the different ways they act towards each other. Like the way that Adam and Eve acts towards each other, it's like they're their own people, even though they're married and they they've become one once they're married. They're still their own person, if you know what that means. That kind of means like Eve does her, and he does him. Everything that each other does is not reflective of each other. They're going to disagree sometimes on certain things. And that's how marriage exists. Like, that's kind of what marriage is, right? Even though you guys became one when you were married, does that mean that every single thing that your partner does, you agree with? Every single thing that your partner does, you would do. No. I've never seen a married couple like that ever exist. That perfectly. But maybe it does. I'm not saying it doesn't. Yes, still, um, adam and eve even though they're one they are different people they're their own person so eve i don't want to say too much because i only know like certain stuff and i don't want to say different things reflective of my own opinion you know like i personally know her i mean i do now i was introduced to her but like i know that much i don't know too too much but um I don't know, but I want a quick disclaimer. This may have been Satan interfering because he is there a lot, too. Not in the garden of Eden, well, yeah, in the garden of Eden, but in the heavenly realms. And in in the midst of this encounter, he was there trying to lead me astray, trying to pull me out of this encounter, trying to sabotage um just my progress period and so things can be questioned but ultimately i know what was you know really true and one thing i did question is you know the 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 relationship between eve and jesus because the fact that she has such a relation a crush on him kind of seems like they actually like each other a little bit and kind of like in a relationship i'm not i'm not gonna sugarcoat it it seems like they be in a relationship a lot of times eve and jesus but that would kind of insinuate adultery and that would be blasphemous when the bible says that jesus is celibate so i don't know but that being said it was also said that a lot of people like jesus a lot of people have a crush on jesus if not everybody has a crush on jesus and another thing about jesus jesus is very 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 beautiful He's the most beautiful man to have ever existed. And that's in his heavenly form. Because remember, in the Bible, it says that when he was here on earth, there was nothing, you know, physically attractive about him. It was all his personality. So that's my next point I was getting to. My next point I was getting to is Jesus. The most attractive thing about Jesus is his personality and his character and the different things. Like he who he is who he is is the most attractive thing about jesus jesus is he has a great personality he's super understanding he's super caring he's super smart he's super everything he's a suit he's super accepting he loves everybody and he's so real and so true i'm talking about don't you know that one person that you know is so cool and gets along with everybody and knows everything well maybe they don't know everything but they get along with everybody that's jesus to the max like jesus is that times a million he loves and understands everybody he doesn't judge anyone he's a hundred percent accepting and he wants everybody to win he's a hundred percent supportive and he's a hundred percent love period he's just love and to be in Jesus' presence it doesn't matter what's going on you would never get tired of being around him ever You could be around him for eternity and never, ever, ever want to leave him for one second. I would say that, you know, I I would think to myself, I remember saying, You would get tired Jesus probably get tired of you before you get tired of him. And he would never get tired of you. Never. So that's just like how it really feels. And I feel like anytime anybody is fighting Jesus, it's because they're sick and they're fighting to be in the darkness and Jesus is the light. So that's genuinely what that is. But Um, generally, I mean, but ultimately, um, yeah, Jesus' personality is so 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 beautiful and super 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 attractive, and that's not with lustful eyes, his personality is a hundred percent attractive, super super attractive. Any woman. On the planet will be attracted to Jesus' personality. I don't care what you think you like. And that's a fact. And so, yeah, Eve has a crush on him. And Eve was the first woman to exist, in, so she's exceptionally beautiful. She is exceptionally beautiful. She just has flaws. And one of those flaws being, like, you know, having a hard time admitting when she's wrong. But, um... Jesus does not like her like that. Jesus is still looking for a wife. Like, he would never marry Eve. And Eve probably wants to marry Jesus. And he would never marry her. And that's not trying to sound like one of those catty girls. Like, no. That's not cute. But Jesus is really looking for a wife. And he is not... Like, I will not say he's picky because guess what? God is picky. And you might say Jesus is God. Yes, but God is also his father, right? Remember when he came down here on earth and he said, my father, father, you can look in the Bible, he says, father, 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 right? So ultimately, God is picky. God is like, God's always telling Jesus, Jesus is like, no, I love this person. I love this about them. Of course, I'd consider this. Of course, I'd consider that. And God is like, no, they're not good enough for you and either they're going to be made good enough for you or they're not going to be your wife. God is like a he's a his, he's a father. He's protective over Jesus and he does not play. So God is picking Jesus wife too, but ultimately Jesus has the final say. And Jesus made it clear on many different occasions like you know, a lot of times he gets really he gets really like bold with that telling me who I'm going to marry stuff like I'm not trying to be funny he never disrespects God but that's my that's me paraphrasing pretty much he's saying I ultimately have the final choice and I'm going to make the final choice regardless of what my regardless of what my father says but he also says my father's never wrong and we're we're always on the same page and I know it sounds like I just contradicted myself it sounds like so why would he ever not agree with god but that's because you have to understand jesus is the under more understanding and forgiving one where he's more likely to forgive your flaws more likely to forgive your mistakes more likely to forgive forgive your faults the different things that god is like no that's not good enough for my son jesus is like you know i can i can forgive that though i understand everything i love them for whoever they you know know, but that doesn't mean he's going to choose you that being said, there's a bunch of different people who are in, like, the contending for Jesus. And I remember last year, someone saying, like, oh, yeah, you're like the bachelorette, and she's like the bachelor. Like, it's, I mean, well, she's like the bachelorette, and you're like the bachelor. And it's kind of like that show. And that's kind of like what it is. And I, I realized, like, that was a joke, but this is kind of like how it is right now. Jesus is, like, on his own show Bachelorette right now. And I hate to... I'm sorry. I take that back because, like, he hates worldly um, comparisons and metaphors. But pretty much, Jesus has a bunch of different women who may or may not be his wife. And he's picking and choosing which one it will be, ultimately when. And I spoke about in a previous episode what was said about me and where I stand in it. But... Like I still, like I said, have yet to really make out how I feel about that. So that being said, I realize there's so many different God Jesus Jesus has Jesus doesn't have a type. His type well he does have a type and that's a virtuous woman. But Jesus ultimately will choose anyone from any type of nationality I mean any woman from any type of nationality any type of I'm sorry I said anyone but when I say anyone I kind of automatically expect you to know what the Bible says it's going to be any woman but he would he ultimately accepts I hate to have to say that forgive me Lauren but he ultimately accepts any any woman from any type of nationality ethnicity or, background as long as she is you know virtuous, and if you're not virtuous, you could be made virtuous if you're willing to do the work. Because remember, Jesus is forgiving, so I guess certain women really aren't in the running for it. And I'm not gonna lie and pretend like I say that every woman on this in the world is no. There's all different kinds of women from all over the world, though. And I've seen a lot in America. I'm not going to lie. A lot in America. But you know what God said to me? And the angels, they said, Jesus loves a project. Jesus loves a project, just like his father. So... We're all projects, first of all, because he's perfect. We're all projects to Jesus. He doesn't want somebody perfect. That's what it means. Jesus does not want someone perfect because none of us are perfect except him. And somebody would think, like, well, wouldn't Jesus marry somebody just as perfect as him? No. Nope. You would be amazed at different women that that he actually has running to be his wife. None of them are perfect. Each and every single last one may have no less than at least one flaw none are perfect so that being said that's pretty much what I was shown and that I was really in a contending to be his wife and that I was told I was ultimately going it was ultimately going to be me but we don't know that because like I said like God hopes for a certain outcome But there's always free will and there's always different possibilities. And that's why I was shown a vision I talked about previously. I was shown a vision where there's other women who are also in the running and that they're not going anywhere. Nobody's going to tell him to get rid of them for one woman because that's going to happen when it's time. And he knows why they're all in the running right now, even though ultimately he even said, but we know that it's ultimately going to be her. It is ultimately going to be her referring to me. And then they say, "Okay, so why are you playing these girls? Why are you misleading them?" He's, like, "I'm not misleading them. They know the truth, but they know that they like." So what? What is the point of them still running to be your wife if this ultimately going to be her anyways? And it's a reason for everything. He said he doesn't have to explain himself to anyone. So there's a reason for everything, and I don't necessarily understand completely either. But I do feel like it's probably. Having something to do with first of all that saying many are called fewer chosen, and then second of all the fact that to keep your to keep you on your toes and to and it's i don't know I feel like it's possible it's possible somebody else could be chosen, but if that's the case, then you know that would that would i don't know how to explain it I don't know how to explain it. I talked about this in the previous episode about how you know. That was that's be, that's like saying somebody else could have been jesus but not really you know what i mean but it's compar- it's comparable to that and it feels like i don't know if it's comparable to that but kind of you know but it feels like you know if you know who's ultimately going to be the prophecy has to be fulfilled no matter what that's happening like, it doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody really does, that's happening. But I guess it really does, because otherwise, this wouldn't be happening. That's also part of the prophecy as well. So even though Jesus, when he was sent down, I was told as a kid that when Jesus was sent down, God hoped that people would accept him and that he wouldn't have to ultimately be crucified for, for the forgiveness of our sins. God hoped that, the, that humanity would turn around right then and be obedient to him and keep their promise to him and change he hoped that he didn't have to crucify his son so anybody saying why would he send his son to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins what type what type of father is that what kind of love is that what you need to understand is that god had hoped that we would do what was right and we still didn't so even though the prophecy had to be fulfilled and ultimately that still had to happen he hoped for a different outcome just like he had hoped that adam and eve didn't bite that apple and that's just the fact of the matter. So, ultimately, we, we end up setting the stage for ourselves when we disobey God. And this happens time and time and time again. And even though he knows, he's like, you know, you're going to disobey God. Just like what Moses was like, I know that when I die, Israel, you're going to turn back to your folly. You're going to start worshiping other false gods. You're not going to keep your promise. He's like, but I'm telling you this. Even if you don't, still, everything, the Messiah is going to be sent to save the world. And everything's going to end up okay regardless. That's God right there. God is God told him that. God is like, listen, I know you're not going to do what I, what, what I hope you're going to do. I know you're going to disobey me. I know you're going to go the other way. But I'm still hoping it's, if there's a small chance or possibility that this can work out, maybe it will. And that's how I kind of see this prophecy with Jesus and his wife. He's like, maybe, you know, I know you won't do this. I know you won't do that. I know you're not going to. And I don't, I hate to, you know, kind of admit that I'm kind of like that. Like, I know you're not going to ultimately do this. I know you're not going to ultimately obey me. I know you're not going to ultimately do whats what I need you to do and keep your promise to me and be obedient and do what's right. But hopefully everything works out. And what was told to me was that, um, well, I don't know if that's necessarily true because then there's, you know, The prophecy, and I think the prophecy is that it is me. So you know, prophecies—nothing small thing, nothing can be changed about prophecies, really, except small things. And so um, I don't know what small things are considered, but I think that's ultimately not the not the outcome. Most things that don't pertain to the outcome, but as far as um, that prophecy and like him you know still hoping for the best for who his wife ultimately turns out to be that's what has to do with what why he still has different women to choose from because maybe he's hoping praying and wanting this to happen but if maybe he knows it's not or maybe there's a possibility that this this is not going to happen though and I don't know what that's whether that's pertaining to the other women running or me I don't know I don't know which side is which. All I know is um, he showed me myself in the spirit as a demon hunter. And he told me that the prophecy states that ultimately I win. And I think that has a lot to do with the wedding. Because I think that comes directly after. But I'm not sure if I'm the only woman like that who's fighting on a horse, fighting these demons and out here slaying them. You know, there's a lot of different women who, you know, he's, you know, empowering, who he's, who he has placed so much power and ability and authority into all of, all across the world. I'm finding that when he's introducing me, you know, time, time after time, he's introducing them to me by placing them in my path through Internet. That's why Internet is actually beneficial. But. I'm not looking for them. That's the funny thing about this. how I know it's Jesus. Because I'm not looking for them. I wouldn't even know where to look. And I actually, I tried. I actually tried looking at wife of Jesus Christ and nothing came up. But then he places them on my path. And it's like, wow. I feel like I could have figured that out, but I didn't. That being said, um, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. And ultimately, yes, I do know that he keeps his promises. And his promise to me is so much far so far bigger and greater than anything i could ever imagine so we'll we we'll have to see stay tuned and see how that works how that works out i don't know if it'll have anything to do with internet by then but i do know that in the vision he showed me that i had been capturing and hunting down demons and holding them in a prison that's specifically made for demons because they don't have bodies they just have spirits they are formless imagine a prison cell that holds formless bodies they're like smoke you, you can't capture smoke. I mean, I guess you can. But this is like that kind of prison cell that holds like smoke, formless, demonic, demonic spirits. And he's like, you're holding them for me. I remember saying, asking him, I said, why do every single time I come to put another one in the cell, they're always begging me to let them out with everything in their souls as if I'm supposed to let them out how come there you always you show me that how come you show me that because he didn't show me anything else he was showing me that I was capturing them he was showing me that I had a prison cell with them in there but for specifically one time he showed me specifically that they begged for me to let them out with everything that they have every single time desperately they begged me to let them out and I said God why did you show me that because I know you only show me things for a reason. So why did you show me them desperately begging me to let them out? But you also showed my demeanor that I would never, ever consider letting them out. That would be redundant for me ever even doing as much work as I did to capture them in the first place. Why did you show me that, God? And God said to me, because you're never going to let them out, but you're holding them for me. I wanted you to, I think, I feel like he said, I wanted you to ask this question because you're holding them for me for when I come back. And that's when he revealed to me that he was coming back very, very soon. Very, very, very soon. And I was like, why am I holding them? I I know I'm going backwards, but I also asked him, why am I holding them? Because you know them being so desperate to get out kind of i know that they can't get past me he showed me that they can't get past me otherwise they wouldn't even been captured even some of them took a lot of hard work but why do i feel nervous about that and also at the same time like and i wasn't necessarily nervous but i was just suspicious like the the desperate how desperate they are to get out it feels like you know are you are you are you saying that I might be the one to let them out? That's what it felt like. That's what I said. That's pretty much what I said. I said, are you are you saying that like I'm gonna be the one to let them out? Because that's kind of made me question my own character. Like if there's no way they can get out of the cell because he built it, so I don't never question him. There's no way they can ever get out of that cell, and because of him, I don't question myself. But still, um they're begging me every single time to come to to let them out and I'm not wavering but are you did you reveal that to me because I will one day and he said no I revealed that to you because you're holding them for me and in the day of the lord I'm going to come and slay them you don't kill them. You just capture them. And I'm going to come and kill them. You're holding them for me. And they know that. That's why they're so desperate to be let out. Did you? The reason why I showed you that was not because you're going to let them out because of how, be, how desperately they're begging you. It's because you can see how desperate they're getting. Do you notice how desperate they're getting? Do you see how you felt by how they started to scream harder, scream louder, scream more desperately? That's because the day of the lord is so soon it's so much sooner than we know it's so much like it's you don't understand how close it is the 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 way that they were listen i had been coming down to that prison every single time i kept i caught a demon and that was my life's work i never stopped catching them and each and every single time for years they were always trying to get out always begging to be let out but in the last year when he showed me them the desperation listen you need to understand the desperation in these demons voices it was let me out please and i'm telling you a lot of these demons they don't even they they're they like their personalities you ever had a a person who's very stubborn and they would never tell you they would never beg you because they hate you like i hate you and they would never tell you, would, you, you would say, okay, maybe if you, if you ask nicely and they would never ask nicely, they'd rather die than ask nicely. That's how these demons were, but they started begging. The demons that rather die than ask nicely started begging because they knew that it was getting closer and closer and closer to the hour that the day in a day that the Lord was coming to slay them all and throw them all into the bottomless pit. That right there evidence that we are literally living in our last days these are our last days and god doesn't want nobody but them demons to go in that bottomless pit that's the funny thing about it he don't actually want people going so a lot of people are thinking like well if i'm about to die then i'm about to die if i'm about to go to the bottomless pit then i'm just going to go to hell whatever no you need to understand that it could have happened you know a second ago could have happened yesterday But it's not happening yet because he's trying to save you. He wants you to go. So the Lord showed me a lot of people playing games and that they don't have to necessarily be doing that. I thought for the longest why this was happening. Of course, I knew that it's not necessary. But I thought for the longest, like maybe they have to do this. Maybe they don't have a choice. That's what they wanted me to think because ultimately they're just playing games and if you saw how the way these demons were screaming in my cell, in my castle that the Lord built for me you would not be playing games right now you would not be playing games, I'm telling you and you might say, why are you? I'm telling you I'm not I'm never playing games because I'm always in the spirit fighting I'm always in the spirit hunting demons, always even in my sleep, it's who I am it's who he made me to be it's what I do. So even though in these last days I've had to, you know, really suit up and really get really serious about my relationship with God where I've had, I've never been, I've never had to fight this hard. And 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 I've never known this much about God as much as I do now. Or yes, I did the whole time, but like now, like my, it's not just subconsciously or it's not just spiritually that I know these things. Like, the funny thing about it is when I read the Bible, even though I thought that I didn't already know the Bible front to back, when I read the Bible, I realized a lot of different things that are naturally just about, like, I'm, that are just re- my character. There's a lot of different things that are in the Bible to teach you how to be. And I'm just naturally just like that. And I always question, how am I a demon hunter when I make so many mistakes? And I don't even realize the, part, the parts of me that I cannot change are what God tells you to do, how God tells you to be. So I'm kind of just built like this. I'm born to be this. And I already knew that. I just. I'm I'm finally getting that confirmation. And I'm finally consciously getting that confirmation. So. Um, I don't know. I just wish that I could. I wish I could play that back. I wish I could send that out. That memory. That video. That that scene of the way the demons from here to now the timeline and how they started getting more and more and more desperate to get out of that cell and where they ended up and how they sounded at that time because the way they sounded at that time it was like whoa it snapped me you know that's what god wanted to show me and that's kind of how he works like you know instead of telling you directly because i have already told you directly let me show you and he showed me the way that the demons were acting. And they're kind of acting like, you know, somebody's acting super cool. But the closer they get to that day, that day of reckoning, the more, okay, they start bargaining. The more they start bargaining. And they were past bargaining. They were past bargaining. They were begging. They were past begging. They, were, they had given up all loyalty to Satan. I won't say all of it. It was still a little bit of it left. Like, if I ever get out of here, I'm still going to need this little piece. But, like, that was almost gone. That was, like, almost non-existent. So, I'm telling you, like, like, I'll do whatever you want. Like, and I'm like, what would I ever want from you? What makes you think I would ever want anything from you when you know who I work for? So for them to say that knowing that was my character they never said that before like before they were like i hate you like and they were just like we're gonna get out i bet you i'm telling you we're gonna get out and when we do you're gonna regret it and i'm just like yeah whatever you know you know i'm not afraid of you otherwise you wouldn't even have been caught and put in this cell to begin with by me so, I'm holding them and like I just I don't know. I just think that the main part about this, the most important part about this is how desperate they are. And the desperate the desperation is because they're within seconds within seconds of you know the day of the Lord. We are within seconds of the day of the Lord, and that's why things are so hectic like they are right now that's why things just don't make sense people are unusually evil and nefarious and wicked and people have reprobate minds where they think bad is good and good is evil and people are attacking people in such demonic and barbaric ways and we're being You know, called to God so heavily. Everyone's getting these rapture visions. Everybody's getting these rapture dreams. Everyone's being called to Jesus and they don't know why for years they've been wandering in darkness and now they see the light. All of a sudden, why? Why do you think that is? Because he's on his way. He's about to be here soon. And I'm telling you, I was one of those people who used to party and drink and smoke every night for years. And jesus came down through me and i haven't been able to do that since i still drink wine i'm not gonna lie that's one of my weaknesses but i haven't drunk hard liquor or smoked ever since that day i and i used to smoke every day i used to love smoking so much i used to say i used to crave it i used to fantasize about smoking i used to love smoking if it was smoking i was gonna be there but now it's like Smoking, who's that? I'm telling you, this is really real. Anybody who knows me growing up knows that. What you don't smoke anymore? Oh, wow! I thought this day would never happen, I thought I'd never see this day, and that right there is evidence enough. And like, this is so real, this is so serious. But also, I you know, I talked about this in a previous episode. Yes, the demon which I'm supposed to slay did come and burn down my castle and let let out all those demons. But it doesn't matter, because those demons they know that they're only let out for a small second before they all get thrown into the bottomless pit. Which is why they were still lingering around my castle, even though they were let out. They were lingering around just to say, well, at least I got let out before I, you know, go into the bottomless pit. But ultimately, you know, they know what this means. They know what's going to happen. So you get on the right side and you do what you're supposed to do and you be where you are supposed to be at when he come because they know where they're going.